Hi, everyone. Welcome to this episode of the Frill Podcast, and we're back. So here, always with me, is Sifu Gwensu, master and founder of Dreamer Academy, and aka my Faja. Um, okay. I'm going to introduce myself, otherwise you'll take too long. My name is Jung Su, and I'm a senior instructor at the Dreamer Academy. On the podcast, we talk about what we experienced while, we experienced whilst we're practicing and teaching Kung Fu and Tai Chi and how to benefit it's our lives and the three parts that make us whole, mind, body, spirit. In this episode, uh, we've got two senior members of the Jumo Academy, and senior not being age, but of their experience. Um, I'm just going to call them by how I know them, and then you guys can get to know them on the podcast. So we've got Dice Hing Rob here, and Si Hing Brian. And I think, I was thinking today, if we were to add up all our years on this screen, it would be like a lot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I guess Dicing and Sing Brian, if you heard the podcast before, do you feel like doing a little intro about yourself so the listeners know who they're hearing today? Sure, I'll I'll go first. Um well my name's Rob and I've been practicing Kung Fu for twenty years this year. Um I started with a friend of mine. Um, at his, uh, his request, actually, he asked if I could join him at a free intro class at this place because he wanted to do some martial arts and um, being a uni student and on holidays, um, I didn't have anything to do, so I went down with him. Um, and we joined up on the spot and trained every day since. So <laughs> that's the history. Um, oh. Yeah. Cool. I didn't. I didn't really know that. So that's cool. Yeah. yeah. Nice. All right, Sing Brian. Uh, yeah. So I've um, uh, been associated with the school since early '96. Um, trained at Elder Street up until um, 2006, some sometime later in the year after we moved from Elder Street to Jollymont. Um, left. Um, just the demands of a family, young children. Um, uh, I was away from the school for a period of time and returned about three years ago to, to recommence my training. Um, prior to leaving the school, I completed two trips to China, a uh, demonstration team. One of the trips to China was a Wushu Games uh, training instructor course. You know, it was three years at the end of my third year of training instructor. So I recommenced... Um, that when I got back to try uh, after I graded uh, recently, um, so it's um, you know really been associated with the school for um, twenty four years, but uh, mm-hmm. trained for trained for probably thirteen of that. Yeah, I forget that you guys have done a lot of uh, what I remember training performing. That's what I used to watch a lot, and even trips to China. Did you guys do the same trip together? I don't actually remember. With two different trips. Yeah, I went in two thousand three, and I think Sangrano probably what oh one. Uh, I think two thousand was the. There was only about seven or eight of us um, to just a Shaolin and scenic tour, and uh, two thousand and one was Wushu Games. Yeah. Yeah. I I um I've been trying to find some footage and photos today and now that you remind me thing brian there was the 2000 there was only seven of us and i remember i remember distinctly um being at shaolin and wondering why there was no hot water in the middle of winter (laughs) it was horrible it was uh i can remember that trip or at least the the shaolin temple hotel (laughs) um I think it was. I think they gave themselves two stars. I think that was being uh, kind to themselves. Um, <laughs> sort of walking down towards your room, and the wallpaper was peeling off the walls because of <laughs> whatever. Um, you know, being able to put a bottle of. I think we had a bottle of um, beer or something, uh, Chinese beer that we put inside the hotel room at the back door, and in the morning it froze literally froze it was that cold in the room so the heating wasn't working too well so yeah. it was uh many many uh many memories on that many good memories from that trip 
Yeah, we, we, yes, we went in, um, I think we went in August or September. So it wasn't quite as cold when we went. Um, but we almost didn't go to Seafood. So it's pretty relevant actually, because 2003 was when SARS was around. Yeah. And early on in the year, we, um, we got the news that, because we were traveling for the same reason in 2001, I think St. Brian were going for the, the international games. We were going to compete. And then we got word that it was canceled because of SARS, um, which in my opinion, I think is probably the best result because we got to perform with the monks while we were there, which was something that we just kind of, well, safely negotiated and, and made happen. But yeah, it was a bit more pleasant. We were out in the sunshine and um, yeah, those little things about the, the hotel weren't as, <laughs> weren't as obvious, I don't think. Did they still have the, um, the dance floor, the fluoro dance floor on? second floor whatever it was it, yeah yeah it was there um i think we might have actually been the well so it was clear when we got there that it was going to come down and they were going to do something else or or improve it or something so there was no there was no money obviously no money had been put into it i don't think there was any plans to do anything because um i don't know improvements down the track possibly but that that dance floor was there all the lights were off and there was definitely nothing happening there was no one else in the place. It was just us. So. Mm. Uh, I um I so th this is quite timely because um what I'll do is I'll share with you all this photo. Oh, yeah. Look at that. yeah. So this is uh this is your tour, Dicey Hing. Yeah. See the monks there, just, see Joel. just see my head right at the back. Yeah, right yeah, back. I back, see back, it, yeah, back. Yeah. Isn't that cool? Yeah. Yeah. And there's the group. Oh, so young. Look at that. Yeah. Pretty amazing, isn't it? Mm. So who have we got? Let's see. We've got Chris Albert, front row. Yeah. Aaron Seeing Aaron, is that right? Seeing Aaron? Aaron. Aaron Coulter, was it? Coulter? No, not not Coulter. Uh, seeing Aaron. Aaron Coulter only got the brown belt, and he he was a big stocky okay. guy. I think uh, he was in security or policing or something. Um, seeing Luke Harrison, is that right? Luke Harrison. Yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah, and then Cassie. Cassie. TJ Cassie Lynch. Cassie. Seeing Matt's yeah. Yeah, remember that name? Awesome. Mm. Awesome. And you, you and CJ were a couple then, were you? By that yeah. Point? Yeah. So we, I think we got together in 2002. Right. Mm. Amazing. Actually, when when we were doing the Royal Show, so when we were doing a 110 meter dragon at the Royal Show. Yeah. In 2002. Oh, I remember that. Mm. Yeah. Oh, that's that's when you guys um, officially became a couple. That's right. Wow. And only seven, eight short years later, we got married. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and now two kids, two kids yeah. and a very large dog. Well, soon large... to be very large dog. Yeah. Well, I think she's there if you ask others. 40 uh, kilos, not bad. Yeah. Few to go. Yeah. And seeing Brian, I remember the first trip you sold your drum kit. Is that right? To go? That's right. Yeah. Because that was uh that was pretty that was a big trip. Yeah, that was. Um um I remember at the time, um yeah, it was a pretty impressive drum kit and I've drums since I was 14 off and on and gone through a few kits here and there. And um, 
sold them for various reasons along the way and that one was definitely worth it because that was um as i say the that that trip was so many years ago now but um uh the memories are pretty firm i can, I can remember mm. most aspects of that of that uh that journey and the experiences mm. i was even talking oh, that was... to recently about i was even talking about earlier about um i think the discuss, discussion was around coronavirus in china and um the concerns about oh you know china in the future and traveling there and you know i said look uh, anyway we got a discussion around that but i said oh, i can remember you know the trip to china it's uh, quite a cultural experience uh, not even just training at the um at the uh, with the temple with the with the monks but um um you know the summer palace and the forbidden city and the, the great wall and even just experiencing um the, the, the locals in the rural communities um the big cities of beijing and uh, uh, what is culturally acceptable there that wouldn't be so much here um, in the restaurants in particular. Um, so, yeah, no, but um, a very good trip. Well worth selling the drum kit at the time. <laughs> mm. It was the very first as well. It was the inaugural yes. uh, culture exchange tour. That was the very first one. I mean, prior to that, yep. 86 we had the first trip to the Shaolin Temple, but we didn't have a relationship with them until uh, 99. And then our first trip was 2000. Our first yeah. official trip. Mm. Uh, and the first trip, that's where the, uh, was that where the, the basketball rivalry started? Yes. Yes, the, ba the basketball rivalry. <laughs> when, I, when I tell people every now and again that I've uh, played basketball against the Shaolin Monks, uh, one loss, one win. Uh, they can't believe me. No. Uh, but I've got some photos to prove it. <laughs> cool. I, um, I came across this video, um, which I'll, I'll show. Let's see. Oh. <laughs> yes. Is that on YouTube? <laughs> That's pretty cool. Yeah, there was uh, Al Albert. Was it? Yeah, and seeing Rory. He, seeing Albert reminds me of um, um, Brendan from Dashing Sun. This being a super long demo. Oh yeah, it yeah. does go on. For a, for a... You can only really appreciate how uh, physically taxing these things are after you do them. But and then I just remember thinking this was so long. <laughs> this was a long one. <laughs> did you do it, dusting as well, or no? Not, not this particular one. Um, yeah, we did a fair share of long ones. <laughs> um, but yeah, this this is a good one. I think this uh, this trip seafood didn't we? Um, they gave the uh, they gave some award to the school, I think, for the for the demonstrations. Yes, um, we did. We got us. We we did get a special award for our oh, for our demonstrations. Right. Yeah. With the, with the splits. If I if I tried that, Nancy Hing, I would uh, I'd probably be hospitalised with severely torn groin muscles and hamstring muscles. Ah, the days of flexibility. Yeah. And hair. <laughs> So good. I remember um, it must at the, it was possibly the August moon before you guys went to that. Um, there was a fashion show where. Yes. 
Yes. Where I think the the kit that you get, that you and Singori are wearing there, you guys might have wandered out on stage. Oh down the wow! Catwalk, really? Down the catwalk with uh, with those on, and there was uh, it's like we got video because I can do it. And there was there was a little <laughs> move. There was a little move that's gone down in history, um, <laughs> where you both have popped out a chart sour. For those listening, <laughs> this little, little chart sour comes out with the flex of the guns. And then as the turn sort of then go back down the, the catwalk, it was just done again. And that, that move has been, has been in the repertoire since that night. Anytime, anytime there's any need for a flex, it's just a little, little chart sour. So, it's got far reaching. It has reached far and wide that little move sometimes. Wow. I, I, mm. I actually, in reflecting on that, I thought it was just, um, I thought it was just my wife because she, Val was up there. I know she was uh, modeling and I, uh, but now you mention it. Yes, I do recall getting the, <laughs> the, the chart. Maybe I put that somewhere dark and deep in my subconscious. <laughs> um, oh, it deserves private place in my book, if you ask me. <laughs> Oh wow! Yeah, that, that I I do remember that night actually. What the restaurant was the one that um, Francis Street. Yes, the one down near the corner of Francis and William. It's now of course yeah. changed hand many times. Um, it's still a Chinese restaurant now, but it was it was that one, and we we um, we had those annual events i think at some point didn't we have like three events a year there was chinese new year uh august moon and either christmas maybe the christmas gathering. the august moon ones at the uh, golden swan is that the ones they're the ones i remember big parties big demos mm -hmm. yeah so golden we've, swan we've had golden swan was quite a lot um i think our very very first one here in perth was at the Peony Garden Restaurant, which is now not that, um, but it was, it was um, corner of Lake and James, opposite now that big open piazza area. There's a, a restaurant or something right on the corner or a pub. What's it called? Uh, opposite there. It was Valentino's, but that wasn't on the diagonal. That was a it used to be a blue building. Was no. it on the diagonal? No, it was. Um, I think the the fundamental part of the building is still there where it's it's actually elevated and you have to walk up the stairs to get to the building it it ri literally is um on the on that corner uh, well anyway on the west that was our first northwestern corner next to time zone yeah i think yeah 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 next to time zone exactly yeah northwestern corner <clears throat> anyway and then we did golden swan lots but that particular time we couldn't get to the golden swan and we went to that restaurant on francis street it was we packed. had a stage set up it was packed it was packed 300 of them, i reckon yeah. yeah yeah it was packed it was definitely so i'm getting so excited hearing these because as a kid i like i thrived on watching the demos and seeing them being created and just running around as you guys are doing your thing, always wanting to be a part of it. Because in my eyes, well, this still is maybe the greatest thing when they're all put together and you're on stage doing it next and um, doing the whole demo. What was, um, I mean, we're talking about some pretty cool memories. What was the, what's one you, you can come up with now that's like the best memory of doing demos? You know, we talk about the fashion show, done it with the Shaolin monks and stuff. Is any other ones you guys can pull up? Well, we we did a um, we did a demo in Forest Place, um, and that actually <laughs> was actually a fashion show as well. Um, we doing, but we were doing the kung fu this time rather than the yeah. actual modelling. Um, I can't remember what that was for. Maybe Fashion Week or something. But we were up there and we did a few demos. But one of them. I was playing a, a bad guy, so it was it was the lead up to a tile the tile break. So um, maybe five or six people versus the bad guy, um, 
and then the bad guy kind of wins, which is pretty unusual for a demo. And then everyone breaks the tiles and bad guy loses and, and uh, show over, which is good. But that that one was that one was probably the biggest one that I was, well, at least the biggest crowd that I was um, performing in front of. So that was full. So Forest Chase is, Forest Place is pretty big. So I'd be guessing, but it'd be a few thousand people, which was kind of the biggest, the biggest one that I performed in. Um, and, and also because of one moment where, because uh, CJ Madsen and CJ Cassie were part of that demo as well. And there was one bit where they both, they're both hitting me at the same time and I grab both of them and I pull them together and basically bounce them off each other and ditch them apart. Um, and there's, there's kind of an unwritten rule where you don't hit girls. <laughs> it never really <laughs> goes down well with the crowd if the big male is beating up smaller females. So um, the demos aren't really generally sort of built around that. Um, but in this case it was, and I just, I distinctly remember the sound the crowd made <laughs> as I bounced these two girls off each other and threw them aside. Um, and they really sold it to their credit. They did a really good job. You know, throw themselves back and did the rolls and all sorts of stuff. Absolute yeah. professionals. but. Um, that noise that the crowd made is stuck in, in my mind. So, <laughs> yeah. so that, that demo, especially with, if it's the one Rowan I'm thinking about, with the masks, the red and black makeup on the mask. It was done like that. Yeah, yeah, it's been done like that. I wasn't, I, I didn't have yeah. that at the time. Yeah, that freaked the hell out of me every time <laughs> that mask came out. Like even just... I remember the cabinet it lived in as well. Like even I, I knew it was there. And even like prior to the demo, like everyone's getting ready sort of thing. You're packing the cars and stuff. And when as soon as the cabin opened and someone picks up their mask, I just, I bolted. I remember just shutting off. Nah, nah, can't do it. And I remember <laughs> seeing the demo as well. Like it freaked me out, but I still watch because it's, I just, I love the demo. And then when the tiles broke and the big bad guy died, I'm like, yeah, I, just, I can like, Remember the smells, the feeling, the atmosphere. I'm just getting freaked out from that mask. <laughs> yeah, I remember that uh, Forest Chase one, Dicey Hing. I think I did uh, a, it was either myself one-on-one -on, one -on -one with Sihing Rory with, uh, or there was someone else there, but we were, um, I think it was Base Owl and Short Sticks we were fighting with. But um, yeah, good spot and a big crowd. I do recall mm. that. What was your um, highlight sort of memories and Brian of demos that you've done? You know what? There's just, there's actually uh, there's so, so many because we were getting around doing a lot of performances um, at the time. Um, there's a couple that come to mind, not for the, <laughs> uh, not for something that I've, I've done that well. Uh, and that was, there was a Chunghua Association near um, Sterling, in Sterling. We were a big crowd there and we're on stage. And I don't know if that was a fashion show as well, because I do recall, <laughs> I do recall standing to my right. Uh, I, I don't know if it was, it was a CJL, C, maybe it was CJ George or someone. They had a, a white, style sort of dress on it was it was you know a lovely dress and we broke tiles and it was such a big crowd and the the, the demo before i i didn't break the five tiles so this time um i was it was it, i was going to do anything to break these tiles and i hit them on an angle where i hit with my um, forearm the bone of my forearm first as i came down the tile shattered one of the tiles broken tiles flew off and hit someone's foot in the front row. So I was pretty proud. And then I looked to my right when I was standing in presentation and there was red spurted all down the side of this beautiful white dress. And I went, oh my goodness, where did that come from? And then noticed there was a hole in my forearm from the tiles. Um, but I was happy because I, I broke the tiles. <laughs> and uh, the, the other one, I don't know if, uh, I think, you know, you're definitely much better these days in showing um, the personality of a lion. Um, I wonder if you could, you know, if they show the look of a lion's face in shock because we were doing a Hans Cafe one at Carousel Shopping Centre 
and I was the head and it was going, it was a long, long one, um, Chinese New Year. And I was exhausted, absolutely exhausted. And I lost my um, um, spatial awareness and I flung the head around and knocked a bottle of Johnny Walker red that was sitting on a cradle on the bar of Hans Cafe. This thing's about, you know, $250. And in slow motion, I've opened the mouth of the lion <laughs> and just watched it fall off the ledge, which was, you know, not a big ledge and landed on another ledge and thankfully didn't break. And then I've, I've looked up <laughs> and we sort of all looked at each other, the, the waiters and myself in both, both, um, wow, did that really happen? And thank God it didn't break because that would have been horrendous and then continued on. <laughs> but, um, I was just, uh, that would have been, oh my God, if that had uh, fallen and shattered on the ground, that would have been a disaster. That wouldn't have been good luck for anyone. Um, but uh, thankfully it didn't. But yeah, I mean, uh, I've got to say, like uh, when I look back at uh, those times, um, demo, trainee, um, training, um, uh, you know, most of my life was was consumed um, uh, with, with uh the school at the time and and that was fantastic you know it was all still you know every day we create new memories but back then some some fantastic experiences and talking about demos sing sung um you know you were dicey hing would remember this too you were probably the height of my knee and um running around every time even if i was mopping the floors from trainee sing brian demo demo and <laughs> um wanting to pull out something and and play fight um because you um obviously just love doing that especially at that age yeah yeah i also remember i don't know if, whether it's whether you got it for me or i got it and because i think you were a policeman at the time um i had i got like a policeman's helmet and a baton and maybe handcuffs as well and i just remember like i got to show sing brian and i remember like coming down to class one night and having all this gear and like play fighting with you and stuff so I remember that. Oh. Seeing Brian, Dicing, did you guys have anything to do with the Mortal Kombat launch demo team? No, that you was... You know when Brian did? Yeah, I think, yeah. Yeah, that was just before me. So I saw those demos, I think, but I wasn't a part of them. Right, because I'll, uh, I'll share this photo. Yeah, oh, right. wow. <laughs> So what, uh, that's uh, seeing Blake Farrow and seeing Brian, uh, Dwayne Bryan. Yeah, but, wow. Um, that's when we were launching the game, Mortal Kombat 4. And there's... Yeah. Yeah. there's See, just that photo. Hey? You're so small oh, in that photo, right? I'm so small. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, <clears throat> yeah, there. Yeah. I remember seeing I think, Blake. Yeah, seeing Blake. Yeah, that would have been 98. Oh, okay. Nin so. 98. Oh, Was yeah. that right? I would, have seen, um, I would have seen the next generation of that. I think I remember seeing it, it would have been um, CJ Georgia and CJ L yes. doing whatever that demo was with like what it turned into and then and then mm. the Charles Angels one. I think that was the first kind of uh, yeah. 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 I think that movie we... openings and things like that over over the years. Yeah, we have. We have. Here in Perth we did um so we did Mortal Kombat game. Um we did Dragon, the Bruce Lee story one. Do you remember that one? In Lou. Um, Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. We did that one too. What else did we launch? Um, I don't think we did any of the Karate Kid, the new Karate Kid ones. We didn't do those. Well, I presume it was Charlie's Angels was a movie launch as well. Charlie's Angels wasn't a movie launch, but we borrowed the theming of Charlie's right. Angels before. You know, before there was the internet and you couldn't get caught with piracy and stuff like that as easily as you can today. Um, so we, I we borrowed. One, I, I did one for a Jackie Chan movie. Um, yeah. Um, it might have been around the world in 80 days, maybe. It I wasn't was, all yeah. that. It wasn't all that kung fu, but 
It was Jackie, Jackie Chan. Chan. Yeah. <laughs> I remember that because yeah, we right. got to watch the movie afterwards as well, mm-hmm. didn't we? Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, I do remember those. Um, often I I think about uh, the differences, and uh, you know, as you gents are talking about um, all the events that we had and how many people there were, and you know, fashion shows and big demos and going to Shaolin and um, competitions and performances and all that sort of stuff. And I think, you know, what what is the difference between then and now? Like, there's a lot of uh, of our listeners and Jing Moers who used to practice and and aren't practicing now, um, but still follow us and uh, talk about old school. You know, like I know today is very different because we're all um, socially isolated and we can't do face-to-face classes. But even you know, outside of that, what what's um, I'm interested to hear what your opinions are. Like seeing Brian, you've come and gone as well, so you would get a snapshot. And there's that. How, how long was it? Seven years that you weren't in in training, so you yeah. would have remember what it was like and then come back seven years later. Dicey Hing, I mean, you were also full-time professional instructor. So you were part of all of that transition that happened back in what, 2002, when it all started and changed name and all the rest of it. Mm. Yeah, uh, Super. I mean, so, uh, yeah, I think um, you know what what we don't do now that um, that we uh, probably used to spend a lot of time back then on was you know we had the pace out bags and we had the the dummies and we had you know there was there was plenty of iron bars and sandbags and and things around um, conditioning but it was a different sort of mentality at the at the time um, compared to what it is now it was very much a focus on, um, you know, through the conditioning that is, um, you know, very hard uh, physical conditioning for the purposes of, you know, I mean, you can still execute the techniques effectively now with good level of conditioning, but it was, um, I think it was a far more, um, trying to think of the right word, whether it's robust um, um, approach to, using Kung Fu more in a more in probably a proactive sense than actually trying to find every way possible to avoid um, using it. Um, we, um, you know, I think the mentality that was, you know, across the school, when I reflect back, a lot of the people I used to train with back then um, and, and similar to some of the students now, you know, still had good attitudes and, um, were there for the right reasons and weren't there to get one up on top of the other. It was um, about learning from each other. Um, there were some, obviously some personalities that had a different view on it. Um, and when the school changed, I can, I can remember um, there was a night at the school, Elder Street, where there was a setup of a stage and you stood up and spoke about um, the Jingma Academy um, for the first time. And there was, for me, it didn't, you know, that's why I went to Jollymont. It didn't really throw me off. There was, you know, there's people in life generally that are um, adverse to change and um, and scared about change and what it might, are they going to lose something by by not doing what we had done at Delta Street, even in the form of, you know, hitting iron bars with our hands and forearms. Um, for me, uh, I had a different sort of uh, take on it and I was happy wherever the journey would, would lead us. Um, and, uh, and hence, you know, sort of following to Jollamont like Dice Hing did. Um, yeah, so it's, I mean, yeah, there was, there was a lot of good points, um, you know, back in Elder Street training days in particular. Um, you know, it was a big, much bigger, I think, student base at the time. Um, but that doesn't necessarily make it any better. Um, based based on that, you know, I think um, even with all that all that was done with all of the all of the shows, etc., you know, it was great. But I think it was it, it was appropriate for that time for whatever reason. 
Um, but I, I think that uh, the school has matured into a far better space um, now and has moved probably with the with the times. Mm. Mm. My um, my recollection of it is that we, although we were very nice, we I guess we got something out of being scary and um, even our approach to teaching Kung Fu was about um, there was an element of be feared and revered so that you, know, uh, you can put off a potential fight which um, which you know it's very you know, it is one way of doing it it's definitely I, I do recall teaching and giving instructions to students as to how to behave when you felt like you were being threatened. And much of it was, was uh, about being as scary as possible, which I think, like you said, it was, uh, it was suitable at the time. It was the way it was meant to be. Uh. Even the um, just reflecting on the trainee instructor course and, uh, um, you know, those uh, sort of three years um, that I did at Elder Street, um, you know, a lot of those classes with trainee, um, especially for the first couple of years before we really assisted with class was, um, and I was laughing, uh, Dicey Hing, when I saw um, uh, your note on the uh, community page with respect to... Um, uh, the the the, uh, warm -up. Yeah, the warm-up. <laughs> so I thought that was flashbacks to trainee. Um, yeah. I mean, you know, doing push-ups with someone sitting on your shoulders, uh, doing ma work up and back, Dan ma, sell ma with someone sitting on your shoulders, you know, mm -hmm. hour and a half class of, um, uh, hour and a half classes regularly just doing toy sow, straight up toy sow with Sifu in the mix. Um, sometimes hour and a half, uh, entire class on the, the big, Pace our bags, just mm, doing pace yeah, out. Yeah. Do mm. thousands of pace out. I mean, you know, you, you, there's no doubt um, back then you you were pretty hardened <laughs> based on on that uh, training, the training instructor training. But um, you know, great, great as we talked about even uh, last night, Sifu with uh, training, um, you know, there comes out reward with putting in the hard yards, whether it's whether it's doing twice out for an hour and a half, or whether it's um, executing your hand drill um, with all the effort you can give it over and over and over and over again until exhaustion, until you can hardly lift your arms. I mean, um, either way, there's there's that reward from come for, comes from putting in that that effort. Mm. No, definitely. Yeah, I always. Uh, I mean, I like in the intro, like I I found something with the school that I hadn't found elsewhere in any kind of physical activity. So I was very sports orientated. Um, I was doing sports science at university, um, quite coordinated, you know, but I didn't have any trouble getting into different things. And then just the struggle with coordinating to do the, you know, day one Jingmo. And I was like, that's what, that's what interested me initially. Um, but then the, the longevity of of training kung fu for me at least is is in the is in the other because you get quite good at it quite quickly when you do it like I mean speaking for us I guess at the moment Tim Ryan um, when you do that accelerated program of of everything demo trainee regular classes all week. Um, you get, you get that physical coordination very quickly. You get the understanding of how to produce techniques very quickly. Um, and then you sit on the bags for half an hour or you sit on the, you sit in Toy Sale or Bill Sale John for an hour and a half or, you know, you, you do that stuff and it, and it becomes more about the concept behind it and all the, all the stuff that comes up during that and all the spaces you move through during that hour and a half. Um, and so the longevity is understanding all that and questioning all that. And I think maybe the difference, at least for me, in if we talk about the, the academy now and the academy prior, is that it, you, need, you, you do it another way. You get to that point in another way. 
So we don't have bags, but you still get, you still progress through those spaces um, yeah. in just a different area of training. So, and I guess at, at this point in my training, having done it for a long time, I, I, I can, I can find that in different bits relatively easily, whereas maybe someone in the, um, you know, in a low, in a lower belt level or just inexperienced in it, maybe it's harder for them to, to see that. And there's particular parts of the training that work uh, easier for them to go through those spaces or maybe, you know, it's one or two things, but as you move through, you realize that it's actually all the same thing, you know, Pox hours, training pox hours, the same as training pace hours, the same as doing geobocket jong, same as doing bill sao jong. Like it's actually all the same thing. Um, and having this overarching um, development contextually is kind of where the where it is for me. Like that's that's the really interesting, um, challenging part of kung fu for me. Yeah. Now you're spot on, I think, uh, and I I think that's. Um probably on, on reflecting, you know, for um, back back in Elder Street and early Jolomont compared to now, um, that's why I probably had some trouble thinking, well, I don't, I didn't feel like I've lost anything. When I came back to the school and it's a leadable town hall and started training again, I didn't feel that, oh, I'm not getting that anymore. I'm not getting this anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just a different way of doing things. And I mean, if you come up against someone with a good, um, Good hard hard uh, hand and you with the uh, gaojo jong. I mean, you know, it doesn't take very long before the memory's back where you're trying to find different ways of avoiding the pain but still get the pock out. Um, <laughs> so you're still getting that, you know, that degree of um, conditioning. And and I think what's important um, uh, is and what Sifu talks about pain and and reflection equals progress is that you know, and for the for the students that are listening to this, um, whether it's, you know, it's really easy during a twice hour to look at the clock and go, Oh, we've been doing this for 10 minutes or 15 minutes. My arms are hurting. I can't, um, can we get onto something else or gao choi jong? Um, my hands really hurting. Um, can we move on to something else? But if you, as again, I was discussing this on a class last night, if you do that personally for me, um, even though that's the easy way out, but I'm, I'm cheating myself out of the progress that I could and would get by pushing through that because the pain, if the pain on reflection isn't injury, then it's going to be progress. And then you reflect back that at some point you go, you know, that was really good. You get, you know, pretty proud of yourself for pushing through the, the whatever it is, the pain barrier. And um, because it's benefited yourself. Hmm. Mm. I um, I think about often actually as I'm practicing, and I, I think about well, um, reflecting on what is the difference, uh, how, where do we go from here, what was what was it all about back then? I mean, none of us have a crystal ball, so we can't actually go back or go forward. We can only just be right here. And um, one of the things I notice is that. Um, I guess it's it's like a natural, like anything that we do, whatever pursuit that we we follow, um, any craft, or just being a person, there's a there is this natural evolution that happens where we just have to go through certain gates to be able to reach that the other side, and that it's not right or wrong. It just happens to be the way it is. I know that um, I, the way I've approached my my own involvement and my own personal training is quite different. So um, even though there's a dedication and a commitment to practice, my commitment today is very different to what it was back then. Um, and I learned something about I guess I learned something about leadership being in the front and stepping out and it's like creating a a space or a vacuum. You know, if something goes forward really fast, there's a vacuum that's created here that pulls. And one of the things I've noticed that I'm really proud of is that the culture of the Academy 
today, which is different to the cultural when it was called the school. It's very different. And the difference primarily from my perspective is that when people come to train now, they train being self-driven. Whereas back then people who came to train needed to be told what to do and how to do it. And I think it's a, it's a way that we've approached it as instructors. Um, back then it was, there was so much that was happening and it was almost like, it was almost like keeping the power within ourselves so that the students had to almost rely on us to be able to progress forward. Whereas today we're encouraging students to do a lot of practice, to do it, not just to come to class to practice, but practice outside of class. And that becomes more of a, a self-driven journey, um, more of an empowered process rather than I'll wait until my seeing tells me what, or my CJ tells me what to do next. And I think um, I've noticed the, I've noticed the greatest difference in myself where I set myself a target and I'll continue practicing um, regardless of whether it's rain, hail or shine. I'm doing 24 years a day. I do some condition exercise, I look at some of the Jingmo technique um, and keep doing my own study. Um, and I think that's different. You know, I've, I've rekindled that process. And remember when I went to Hong Kong last May before the riot started and uh, I made contact with Hong Kong last week actually to start the conversation again but I can't travel there so I do want to look into um, furthering my experience and my knowledge with the the root of Jingmo which is Tonglong um, but I'm not going to wait I, I don't feel like waiting until the travel bans are lifted is necessarily a good thing so I've started the conversation. I've uh, suggested Zoom be the process. I mean, we use it quite nicely here. So we'll see what happens. Mm, you know, there's a, an, another part of me and another chapter. I enjoy the learning process. And I enjoy the, uh, the, leading, the leading by example process. I think there's something, there's something to be said about leadership happens out in the front rather than push from behind and uh, just allowing people to come along however they wish to rather than there's an expectation you have to do it like this it's like well this is the way i'm doing it if you want to come along come along uh, for me it's uh, yeah. for me that seems to be the biggest difference and you're right Darcy. there's there's um there's not the need now to rely on uh external triggers like tikwanjongs and Gautry machines and remember the the advanced Sansal dummy, which was uh, the dummy oh, on wheels. Oh, that's right. Yeah, remember? Yeah. Remember? Uh, yeah. That's right. <laughs> yeah, someone on the back pushing it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they were great. They were great toys. Great toys and great tools. They were fun. They were. It was great fun. Nothing wrong with them. Um, you know, and it was suitable for the time. Does it mean that it was better or worse? No, I just think it was different. Mm. Yeah, it was absolutely yeah. different. Yeah. Um, and and that's it, really. Mm. I can say, I don't I don't miss, oh, yeah. Um, yeah, I was just going to say, I don't, I don't miss, um, you know, every now and again, miss hitting on the top of those arts out dummies. Because there's a nice big piece of wood in there. And the seam where that foam cap sits over the top of it, around that edge, if you just let go of that thing a little bit too early and it came up and nailed you right underneath in the wrist, that that was quite a sensation. Yeah. 
I remember actually one one time, probably class of, I guess, 20. So everyone lined up in front of those dummies, five in each line, just running through for the black belts, what they're doing. And I've gone through, so drag it down, drop your gout around the back, and I've done exactly what I just said you shouldn't do. And I've let go a little bit early, and it's come up and nailed me right in the wrist, or I've nailed it right with my wrist. And... <laughs> <laughs> the, the shock that's gone through my arm and I've just exhaled, taken a few steps back and gone ready and then started to count because I just hadn't, I couldn't have any more words in me. I was just fighting back the tears. I'll tell you what, that was just one of the worst things in the world. <laughs> I, um, on, on the same uh, similar dicey thing um, with that, but it was, I think it was for or after class um, it wasn't where well, we had line up and run in and belt it. And I did uh, a gauchoy, but I didn't let go early. I just gauchoyed. Uh, it was just slack. I just swung the hand. I didn't have the fists clenched tightly. And um, hairline fractured on the um, right in that part where the pace out is. And uh, yeah, it took a good six weeks for, um, for that to... Uh, I, I remember going to Sydney for holidays just after it, before I got it properly looked at. And I met an old friend that I hadn't seen for a long time from since school in Sydney. And he shook my hand. And literally, he shook my hand and I dropped to my knees. And he was like, <laughs> what the hell is this? You know, you don't need to bow to me. But anyway, I, I dropped because the pain was just insane. So I thought from then mm -hmm. on, I thought, right, there's a lesson. <laughs> yeah. yeah, don't be slack on that couch. Away. That hand needs to be clenched tightly as hard as it can. Yeah. I do miss yes. the um, I do miss the throwing boards though. I thought the throwing boards were really good. Yeah, you hang a couple of them up at Liverpool. That would mind me though. <laughs> <laughs> well, as long as we can build into the heritage, uh, the I don't know what what Dyson, no you'd probably be able to have more experience than that. Oh well, let's not worry about it. We'll just use the walls instead. Okay. <laughs> On the co concrete pillars, that's old school. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the throwing was uh, was was fun, but uh, <laughs> being on the receiving end, flat your your back flat flat against the board with no way to move when uh, when there was some decent pay pox coming in, that was uh, could be devastating. Yeah. Mm. True. True. Sorry. Well, so uh, what? Uh, yes, go on. I was, I was going to say, I want to pose a conversation point. Um, I guess a lot of people talk about, well, at least I hear, how to translate, you know, your martial arts skills in your everyday life sort of thing. And I think a part of me that really loves competing is because I get to um, hone in all my skills in that one spot where they'd be performing a drill and get judged on that, or even the freeform fighting, which I competed in, honing in my skills for that, you know, three two minute rounds um, or even, you know, just in life, noticing different challenges, physical or non-physical. Is there any point you guys, you know, got so much experience that I really respect. Is there any situations that you can recall or even uh, what your go-to is when you've, when you've reached a point of conflict or anything like that, that you can share with the listeners? I've just got a, uh, say that there's something about uh and it was when i started training and it's still the same now there's something about the art or the environment or the combination of both that gives me quite a strong underlying self-confidence not in the space of um arrogance i hope um because you know prior to jingmo you know, since the age of think four or five, judo, karate, taekwondo, boxing, hapkido, aikido, everything you can think of, but nothing. Um, I didn't stay at them for long because nothing, there was not about hook. There was nothing that I actually felt. I, ne I never felt that anything that I was learning was giving me the confidence to look after myself or others. And then I remember, you know, scrolling through the old yellow pages and, and found the, uh, the school motto at the time and made a phone call and did a free class and that was it. But, um, yeah, yellow pages, but, um, and that's, uh, that's how I found the school. And, and from the first training session, and I think the first training session was even just 
Um, it was a, a little bit of intro, but a lot of it was just even Darmar Selma for most of the class up and back. But something grabbed me. And when I, when I stopped training for a while to focus on the family, um, and I mentioned this in one of my earlier videos when I got back to the school, I, I went to, um, funnily enough, to a Reiki uh, session. And uh, the practitioner said to me, we, we got talking and it came out that, you know, there was something that was missing. There was something that was affecting my inner strength, uh, my confidence. And uh, when I started back at training, uh, that, that gap was filled. So for me, uh, whatever it is, that the, the, the training um, gives me that confidence and I'm sure that helps me in all aspects of my life or in my leadership capacity at work too. Mm. Wow, really nice and grand. Thanks. Darcy? Um, uh, I think the, mm, sorry. the question about, you know, how do you use, where do you use Kung Fu? Um, come comes up a lot um, and I found myself kind of well I stumbled on on to uh, like I was talking about before the longevity of <clears throat> excuse me the longevity of training for me is in is in the context of it it's it's not necessarily in the in the physicality of it although I benefit from that each time um, I, I am still doing it because of the context of it. And that, I guess, following that, it's the, it's how it is literally in, or potentially in everything. So the idea that um, I train Jingmo on Tuesdays and Thursdays at, at six o'clock is, um, I guess, in a way kind of short-sighted. It's limiting because, um, like we used to make jokes about it as well. Mopping the floor, you do mops our job. Like it's, it, it is literally in everything because you, we would we would travel seven meters. You do do a bay, you do, so it's seven meter width. And the idea is you sit in your mar and you, you go as long as you can. You can do the full seven meters and back your way down, toy mar down the <laughs> down yeah. the wall and cover the entire bay or your bay um, one way and. Um, you know, and it's stuff like that. It's okay. So where where does it fit? As opposed to oh, this is this bit of kung fu is is here, and you you do this bit here and this bit over here. It's it it's everything is in everything. It's just where do you choose to? I'll speak for myself. Where where can I see it? You know, like what what is it about this philosophy? Um, where does it apply here? Because it can, is the short story. It can apply here. It's just how far do I want to take it? Um, how well do I know it is really kind of where it is as well. So um, like I would define all the terminology within the philosophy and all the key words like, um, like yellow belt, for example, awareness is my spirit attack is the foundation of thought. Then I need to know what, I need to define awareness for myself. It doesn't necessarily have to be a, a dictionary response, but I would define the term. Um, so I need to know what attack is and I need to know what awareness is and I need to know what I understand spirit to be. And, um, and then once I've got those definitions, then I can see it everywhere. You know, like I can, I can find places where that exists outside of fighting um, and in, in the same way that university people talk about university being the way to uh, learn how to learn as opposed to actually have a degree in something afterwards it actually teaches you how to learn and how to question um, I, I, Kung Fu is that the Jingwei journey for me has always been like that so what is it? Where are the where does it connect? Like how do things progress? And and the short story I think is that um, it's just about questioning. Like question everything. Don't don't judge it. Don't put it into a spot and say this is here. It's just define it and see where it sits. See where it is in everything. It's in mopping the floor. It's in sweeping my front yard. It's in it's in talking to my kids. It's in talking to myself. Um, it's just where 
where and when. And I think also that the progression through those sort of, uh, the progression through the context in, in Jingmo is really interesting as well. It's a much bigger conversation than maybe for right now, but um, practicing in the, um, in the environment of the physical fighting situation is useful to understand the concepts of it. And then being able to apply that practice, you know, that, that practice of questioning and that practice of noticing, you know, just in, in everything else. So, I mean, I hope that's not too kind of up in the air and, and you can kind of grasp a little bit of that, but, um, you know, like, where is it in your everyday life? Well, it's, it's everywhere. Mm. Yeah. Mm. yeah. Um, no, I, I get that. Nothing is up in the air for me. Thanks, Darcy. Um, Dad, do you have anything to share? I know you've shared a lot over the podcast episodes, but mm. maybe something different today, or different point of view. Uh, well, my point of view, mine is that um, my practice helps me find the courage it takes to be able to make change and the first step always is to be okay feeling vulnerable and it's the toughest thing it is so hard to to be okay feeling vulnerable but when i do um then the answers the answers are revealed i get to step through difficult spaces and come out the other side and i i think the most the, the most difficult thing right now is the situation here right this moment where the four of us who've known each other for as long as you've been alive um have to do it over the internet that it's unsafe for us to do it in person and um what i've noticed about the last four weeks for me is the difficult feeling of not being able to go to class having do, been doing it professionally for 40 years this year and have hadn't been in the environment of always having a good somewhere to go to and always having student like look there's william playing line dance music now you can hear him in the background can you guys hear him in the background can you hear the drum in the background oh, it's clear to me so he's he's just woken up for his afternoon nap and his, his line dancing practice. So it's everywhere, right? And it was exactly like that for me as it is for him. There's always Kung Fu around. And right now, it's not around. It's like, it's all virtual. It's online. And that's been really difficult for me. And I notice how I go up and down, being grumpy. I've been like grumpy bed, days on end, and hard, really hard to live with. And then being okay and then not being okay and then being okay and not being okay. And then wondering, well, what's going to happen? How the hell are we going to go back to face-to-face -face classes? And how am I going to be able to um, go back to the comfort of being um, back to what it was, you know, which is comfortable. And um, it's like, for me, the practice, and whenever I feel really shitty, I go and practice at the moment it's my you lose i go back to that and that's when the clarity comes and it's okay feeling vulnerable so for me the practice is actually that uh -huh. yeah cool i guess i'll share my turn um yeah like i was speaking before i think my if i was thinking about a time and place to be would be for me competing uh, I like it because there's a sense of I get to perform what I've been practicing but also I like it because it yeah it brings up all these questions and and like feelings and stories and you know like your brain talking about that self-confidence and dad talking about that courage it brings all that out in one spot and I have to tap into that or I lose my place or I get you know, struck somewhere where I don't like it or whatever it may be. And the, the most like kind of inner thing that I've realized, which I've shared before on the podcast is that in the past few years, when I prior to competing, I get some sort of um, humanly, humanly 
reaction. Like I get an ulcer on my tongue or I get a pimple on my nose or I get sick prior, like two days prior to the competition, barely be a cold or just a uh, runny nose. And like, I can feel those symptoms coming on and uh, I find it so interesting to watch myself in those situations and how to, how to be healthy, how to be clear minded for the task at hand, even though these kind of uh, distractions are happening to me. Like in my, uh, I guess, most recent competition in 2017, I was at Melbourne with Mitch. And after I finished, after we finished our first forms competition, we had two more to go after that. After the very first one, I had uh, had cold symptoms. I had a clammy throat, runny nose. I started sneezing. And then like for the rest of the trip afterwards, I was um, sick. But it was like, how, how could that happen right after a competition form? I get sick and yeah, it was just, it was crazy. So I like kind of watching myself and um, questioning and being better, being the best I can in any moment sort of thing. But like Dicing says as well, for me, it's, it's every day, everywhere when I'm trying to apply my skills, you want to call it. So, yeah. Well, well we've gone on an hour now. I respect you guys' time. I'm sure you've got other things to do. Um, should we wrap up the podcast? Do you guys have any kind of final words or things you want to share and talk about before we end? Happy to do this again. Yeah, that's cool. good. Yeah, happy yeah. to do it again. Sure, let's do it again, definitely. Yeah, mm. yeah I agree. Definitely. I'll I'll find um, more photos now that you you've actually named quite a few events. It's given me somewhere to go, so I'll <laughs> head into our archives and see what I can find for the next the follow up podcast. We actually have some photos and some video. I might have some sneaky China trip photos. Yeah, yeah. I've got some. I'll send through too. Yeah, do it. Yeah, cool, cool. Actually, um, just figure out on Zoom, it's easy to share. You just pull it up on your desktop and through your apps and share the screen. Okay. Mm. All right, cool. Well, let's do this again. Thank you, everyone, for listening to this episode of the podcast. And we'll see you in the next episode. Thank you. Thanks, gents. Thanks, guys. Thank you.